Thank you for joining us here at Brave Church. We hope our teaching inspires you. For more information about gathering times, events, and other resources, visit brave.church. Here's this week's talk. How are you guys doing? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Um, so my name is Samuel, and... Uh, uh, my name is Darren. And we're, we're pastors here, but we're also uh, father and son. I'm the father. Yeah, one of us is... Uh, we, do we look related? Just, no. Just curious. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're, we're here today, team teaching, um, and we are related. But uh, we, I was actually scheduled to teach, and I asked my dad if we could do it together, because I just thought it would be really helpful... Uh, for you and your family, and just talking about uh, some stressors and things that families deal with around the holidays. What I didn't know is I'd lose my mic. So um, mm-hmm. yes. I got the short end of the stick. But you do you guys me. want to experience more joy this holiday season? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. So I don't know what your Thanksgiving was like. I hope it was great. But I know for some, you've already uh, gotten off to a bit of a rocky start. There's you know a lot of, a lot of things that tend to come up around the holidays. So what if I were to tell you that you could experience more joy as we close out 2017 than you've ever experienced? Would you guys want that? Yes. Yes. So, so what makes some years more stressful than others? What makes some Christmases, some holiday seasons better than others? I think so much of what we experience has to do with how we prepare. Okay, so we're going to get real practical today because the holidays come and what's supposed to be one of the most fun and exciting times of the year can also get really complicated and stressful really fast. But it doesn't have to be like that, and it shouldn't. See, this season affects us all, okay? And for many of us who are already stressed, we have a lot going on here in, in the Bay Area. We go from stressed to crazy stressed. Crazy. Uh, a recent study done by the American Psychological Association found that Since 2007, the Stress in America survey has examined how stress affects the health and well-being of adults living in the United States. And in 2015, it reported that overall stress levels increased slightly with greater percentages of adults reporting extreme levels of stress than in 2014. Overall, adults report that stress has a negative impact on their mental and physical health, and a sizable portion do not feel They're doing enough to manage their stress. Hmm. Let me see a quick show of hands. Who thinks they could do a better job managing their stress? So the holidays exacerbate our already poor ability to manage stress. And this is one of the biggest things that robs us of our joy. I read a few reports this week, and they all seem to concur on what the top three stressors are. Money, work, and family. And so when you think about it, it totally makes sense why we get so uh, much more stressed during the holiday season, because we've got financial pressure, we're we're having to spend more money and buy gifts, and then we've got uh, the end of the fiscal year, work deadlines, and you might have more days off, but how many of you know that doesn't push the deadlines back, right? So you've got to get more done in less amount of time, and then you've got uh, family outings and memories being made, and they want your your best attention, but that can be kind of hard sometimes when you've you've got that added pressure. So here's the deal. None of our homes are perfect. Your home isn't perfect. Our home isn't perfect. Mm -mm. But healthy homes aren't perfect. And uh, our home's healthy. And over the years, we've learned a few things. We've worked through some stuff. And uh, we don't claim to have all the answers. But God's word contains wisdom 
that if diligently applied literally has the power to lower your stress and help you experience more of the joy that God intends for your holiday season. Um, Did you know that you only have 18 Christmases or less before your kids leave the house? Or, or, and you may never see them again, right? Thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I won't go there. But you only have a handful <laughs> of Christmases, maybe as a newly married couple before kids change your life. Or maybe you're here today and you don't have your family, but you found a home church this fall or, or last spring. And you've been seeing the way that God can provide through a church family in ways that your family can't. Uh, You may be here and you're dealing with an illness and you're not sure how many holidays you'll have left, but whatever your story, God wants you to experience more of his joy during this time. So it's going to take ears to hear and eyes to see because God's word offers us guidance, Uh, but we have to apply that guidance. We have to receive it, apply it, and if we do, even the most stressful times, we can get through them and not only survive them but we can thrive. So let's get prepared for our best holiday season together. Would you guys join me in a a word of prayer before we continue? God, I just thank you for every person here and every family represented and uh, friends. And Lord, I just pray that as we uh, live our lives this season in community and in relationships, we know that you want us to experience a joy as we celebrate Uh, what you've done for us as we celebrate your son together. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and that you'd uh, open up our eyes, that we'd fully receive some of the wisdom that you want to impart to us for the next month. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our talk today is wisdom for the holidays. And if you will, just go ahead and pull out of your program the notes and you can follow along. Number one, wisdom for the holidays is be mindful of your presence. You know, Matthew 1, verse 23, it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. From the very first declaration of what we would later call Christmas, God says, my purpose in coming to you is to be with you, present in your life, in your everyday life. I want to make a difference on Monday with you in your life. And the holidays are all about being with those that we love. And yet the people that you love the most can be the most challenging. Uh, Over Thanksgiving, I received a a text from a young man uh, that was literally grieving over having to go to his parents' home. Uh, His parents had made such huge mistakes. They had not been there for him in ways that they needed to be in normal, healthy ways that parents are normally. And now he was faced with being adult again, you know, being the, the one who would go the extra mile, being the one that had to show up and do the responsible thing and do the right thing and be the bigger person. You know, not all families are safe. Uh, not all are positive or edifying. Many are broken and very selfish. And selfishness is most often revealed during the holiday season because it just tends to be wrought with all of these kinds of landmines, uh, expectations, what mom expects to happen this holiday season, what dad expects, what what the kids expect. And before you know it, nothing about Christmas is about Christ. God says, I've come to be with you. And that one big gesture of love created what is now called the holiday season. 
And if you want to have a great family holiday, you have to go back to the reason that it all began. The unselfish heart of God is saying, I choose to come to you. I want to be with you. Instead of being upset that you have to go, make the decision to go. Make a decision to be with your family and friends. Make your Christmas about being with them. Jesus chose to give his life away. But I think we oftentimes resent it when others have expectations on us. And and we don't like that. And it creates a level of stress. I was at Pete's um, this Thursday on Thanksgiving morning. We were all leaving uh, to go out of town to be with our family. And Isaac and I were, were there ordering our coffee. And all of a sudden, we literally heard screaming over by where you pick up your coffee order. And I look over and there are two grown middle-aged women, strangers on Thanksgiving morning that are yelling at each other and they're about ready to have a fight. Now, I quickly did the one thing that I knew that would solve the solution. I yelled out. Jumped in and said, I could beat you. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, ladies, look out. I'd win this fight. No, yeah. No, here's what I did. I yelled out. I said, quick, somebody get them some coffee, right? Because clearly they hadn't had theirs. Then this young little 20-year-old barista comes out from behind the counter, and it was so sweet. She goes to these middle-aged women who should have known better, and she says to them, hey, you guys, come on, it's Thanksgiving. (laughs) It was so sweet. I thought, man, people are already wound so tightly during the holiday season, and the strongest desire that we all have is to be with others, but to be in relationships that really matter. But the irony of the holidays is that people feel more alone than any other time of the year. One person said to me, Pastor, I've often felt like during the holidays that I'm standing outside looking through the window of a party that I was not invited to. Another person said to me, I have this fear of becoming lonely and as an old person and just sitting around and listening to the clock tick. You know, sometimes it seems easier just to give up and accept disconnectedness during the holiday season. Something is missing from our lives when we have few friends. It's almost like everything comes due during the holiday season. If you didn't connect in a home church this fall and develop relationships and friendships, you just don't have as much of that during the holiday season. If you haven't really connected deep into a a church family and said, this is my family, this is my church, I'm into this, then sometimes you feel, again, disconnected, single, alone, and solitaire. You know, when life is all about work and getting to the next appointment or rushing to eat and cram down your lunch and then crashing exhausted late at night, and you lay your head on your pillow and you have this nagging sense of just of isolation, of separateness, uh, worship feels very far from your soul. Because we've all been touched by loneliness. It's, it's that deep hunger of the soul for meaningful contact with another human being. And God knows this about us. He actually wired us for this. And so he says to you, he says, I come to you as Emmanuel, God with us. Norman Cousins wrote, all of man's history is an endeavor to shatter his loneliness. And loneliness ignores every barrier. Uh, It affects every ethnic group and every religion on planet Earth. Loneliness is the oldest human hurt in the Bible when God said, it is not good. It's not good for you to be alone. And so having a great holiday season means thinking about others first. It means allowing the God, Christ within us, 
for us to be fully present with those who are all around us, being mindful of being present. So make a decision as you start this holiday season to look for ways to be present for others. That was pretty good. Oh, well, thank you. Good word. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Number two, follow the golden rule of giving. Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in this passage, we find the principle of giving. And it's so powerful, it can totally change your life, that the more you give, the more you'll receive. Uh, But I want to focus on something else here that's just as profound but often overlooked. So we're going to look at three considerations of gift giving, uh, for gift giving. Did any of you finish your holiday shopping already? Yeah, presents wrapped under the tree. Oh, you did? She did. Wow. Wow, dog pile. We have a winner. Um, who, Who at least has their tree? Yeah? Awesome. That's great. Christmas music before Thanksgiving or after? No. <laughs> uh, but notice in Luke 6.38, the word measure, and it comes from the Greek word metron, and it's a noun talking about specific units of measurement. In other words, it's referring to quantity. Uh, but how many of you know that getting a lot of something isn't necessarily better Right? Like, do you want a lot of um, kind of not very well made gifts or a few really nice ones? I usually go for, for the quality. But when it comes to the measure of what you're giving, quality matters just as much as quantity. Um, I'm a huge coffee fan. Do we have any coffee lovers in the house? Um, I use this thing called a Chemex. And every morning when I come into the office, I mean, I just feel like. Um, it's far superior than a Keurig, okay? Unless I'm really desperate, I, I don't touch a Keurig. And I come into the office, and I put a filter, and I, and I have this measuring, uh, copper measuring scooper, and I'll put two scoops in the, in the Keurig, or Keurig, in the Chemex, and I've got a kettle, and I pour some hot water, and the next thing you know, the office is filled with the heavenly smell of good coffee. But how many of you know that you can have a great coffee maker, a great filter, pour the perfect amount of water, but if you don't have good coffee, it's really only going to amount to so much. I mean, it's really not going to be a great cup of coffee. So the quality of your coffee determines so much about what your cup is going to taste like. Now, here's the thing. Um, my dad if, if I put all this love and care into making him a cup of coffee that I'm really going to enjoy, uh, he would appreciate it more if I drove to Pete's and I bought him an iced coffee and I brought that to him. Okay, so quality is more important than quantity, but even more important is the golden rule. This is A in your notes. The value of a gift is determined by what it means to the person receiving it. Have you ever put a a lot of effort into something and then the person didn't really appreciate it the way you hoped they would? Uh, My mom's the hardest person to buy a gift for. Um, You know that that cliche, it's the thought that counts? So for her, that that philosophy doesn't ring true. It's get what's on my Christmas list, okay? (laughs) And for years, I mean, we tried, and uh, those of you who are overachievers, you know what I'm talking about? Like, we want to beat the list, right? We want to get them the gift that they didn't even know they wanted, And that doesn't tend to work out very well with my mom. Uh, But because we love her, 
we don't just go, man, mom's so hard to buy gifts for. Like, we're, we're just going to give up. No, we, we figured out what's meaningful to her. And, and the truth is, people who are hard to buy gifts for really aren't that hard, especially if you know what they want. And no matter how simple it is, even if it's not stuff, you give them what they, what they really want. So sometimes we overcomplicate this, and we get so caught up in uh, material things and you know, trying to, um, to really get the perfect thing rather than just look at what they appreciate and what they value. Like for my mom, she buys so much on Amazon. Um, this is probably a, too much, a little much of a spoiler, but I'm probably going to get her an Amazon gift card because that's what she's going to really like, right? Yeah. So B, <laughs> save you some money. <laughs> Be in your notes, a person's love language is the best way to discover what's meaningful to them. Um, I, I don't even need a scripture for this. It's all throughout scripture that we want to love God and love people. And the greatest pursuit in this lifetime is learning to love well. And so there's a classic book that saved many marriages and probably some lives called The Five Love Languages. And you can actually take the test at fivelovelanguages.com if, if you haven't done this already. But it's so helpful to know how a person uh, receives love. And, and, and we use this in our premarital counseling at Brave. Um, there's a book you can read. But usually most people are at least one or two of them as, as their primary, the primary way uh, that they receive love. So the five love languages are, number one, words of affirmation. This language uh, uses words to affirm other people. Two, acts of service. For these people, actions speak louder than words. Three, receiving gifts. Uh, For some people, what makes them feel most loved is to receive a gift. Four, quality time. This language is all about giving the other person your undivided attention. And five, physical touch. Uh, This is not my love language. Uh, But for some people, nothing speaks uh, more uh, deeply than appropriate touch. Now, I've been, only been married a year, but my wife's got all five love languages, okay? So in this first year of marriage, I'm learning to love in ways I've never loved before. Uh, but everybody's different, and usually there's like one or two that kind of rise to the top, but all of them really matter for loving relationships. Like, we want to major in, in loving people around here. But this is really helpful when you're thinking about a gift that's going to be really meaningful is consider, man, what do they really enjoy and appreciate? What makes them feel really loved? Don't the best gifts just make you feel so loved? Mm. Lastly, see, don't spend money you don't have. Mm. Notice that four out of the five love languages cost nothing. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, The last thing you want to do is start the new year still paying off Christmas. And I think you can be really generous. My family's always been very generous without spending money that we don't have. And if you can't afford it, it's really not worth it. And I know that can be hard for some because maybe there's a gift or something you want to buy someone that's not in the budget. But the greatest gift that you can give your family is peace. Mm -hmm. And financial peace, uh, it's, it's hard to put a price on that. I mean, it is, we do, I think we're, we're so unaware of how much, you know, the number one stressor was money. What if we could make decisions that alleviate that stress, and how much more is that worth than material things? Uh, we, we live in a culture where we need to be aware of this because it's, it's very consumeristic, and culture's telling us that you need this, they're, they're tempting you, guilting you, and really, uh, culture doesn't care if your family has peace this Christmas. They want you to spend, and they want you to get caught up in a mindset that you need to compare 
what you have with what others have, and you've got to keep up. But that's not the heart of God, and the Bible has a different wisdom. In Romans 13, 8, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. So let's teach our families this Christmas that our joy isn't dependent on material things. And ask yourself this question. Will spending this money give the gift of peace to my family? Number three, have a game plan for peace. In Luke 17, it's a really interesting verse. It says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus himself says, it's impossible to avoid getting offended. Now, let's be honest. We all have family members who are easily offended. Freedom to love others as the Lord loves us comes from letting go of our right to be offended with our own family members. And some of us have spent years working on what I call the holiday offense. And you start rehearsing very early on what you're going to be offended about this year with your family. You know, whatever the expectation is, or here we go again, or they're going to do this again, or they're going to do that again. You know, they, they did this back in 1994, and that's the way it's always been. And we claim it's them when oftentimes it's us. We haven't been big enough to let go and move on. We act like they continue to do it to us every year, but we keep perpetuating the same old storyline about our own family members. Listen, Christmas is not about you. It's about Christ. It's about his generosity. It's about what he's already done for you, what you can in turn give away to other people. If anybody had a ripe or a right to gripe, it was Jesus Christ. I mean, you're, you're born in a trough, you're in a, a stinky barn, and you got cattle lowing in your face. I mean, it's just a rough situation by anyone's standards. Jesus had a right, every right, to be offended by humanity, and instead he dies for us, and he gives up his rights for us. He gave up the right to a home. Are we griping about our home, what we have or what we don't have? He gave up a right to privacy. Oh, man, all these people are over our house. He gave up the right to sleep. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. He gave up the right for a good reputation. I can't believe they said that about me. And then he gave up the dream of a long life. Offense wears many faces in any family system. And sometimes in our pride, we think we've done better than other family members. We compare ourselves to them. And we act like, you know, they're the ones being small when in reality, we're the ones being small. And it's easy to see people the way that who they are not rather than who they really are and the treasure that they are to you. And so God's heart was that he came to us. And he accepted us as sinners making mistakes. In other words, in your family, you have sinners, including yourself. You have real live human beings that are going to disappoint you and they're going to make mistakes in you. But what are you going to do? Are you going to give them the love of Jesus or are you going to judge them? And we can't, we can't, you know, oftentimes we can't find love and acceptance among our own family. And yet that's where the gospel has to be lived out first is in our own family system. No one has ever become more because someone judged them. 
I want to invite our worship team to come on out because we're going to worship in a few moments. But you know what? Getting offended is the fast track to losing your peace this Christmas. And so we need to recognize what's going on in our own hearts and what's going to happen. Someone is going to say the thing in your family that they always say that gets under your skin. Someone will be insensitive in some way. Uh, Your kids will disappoint you with a lack of honor or respect in some way. Your parents will disappoint you in not understanding who you are. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to get offended like you do every year? Or are you going to take the high road and keep your peace? And so you get to decide in advance, I'm not going to be easily offended this holiday season. You see, it's up to you. And the amazing thing about family dynamics is we can change them by first changing our own attitude about our parents, our own attitudes about our kids. You can be the person that no one expects you to be this Christmas. You can do the things that no one thinks you'll do this Christmas. You can break the cycle. But only if you let go of your own offenses and your own sense of pride and expectations You cannot control your family, but you can control how you're going to respond to the things they say and do and the things that hurt you. And so the best game plan for peace is deciding in advance. I'm going to set aside my own preferences and my own rights, and I'm going to bring the love of Jesus Christ that's in me to my own family. You know, I can honestly say that I don't know that I've I love Christmas. I love it. But I don't know that I've ever had a Christmas that that exactly met my expectations of what I really wanted. And so I gave up those expectations a long time ago when I realized that Christmas is not about me. It's about Christ. It's about worship. It's about beginning this month and this holiday season and saying, you know what, this is about worship. And it's about grace. So I'm going to give grace to everyone in my family. I'm going to give love to everyone in my family. Here's how to have the best Christmas ever. Make it all about worshiping Jesus this year. Slow it way, way, way down. Make it all about his church, his house. Make your focus a holy focus this Christmas. When we worship at Christmas... Our wonder is restored. Simplicity comes back. We become centered and our hearts become renewed. You see, peace isn't found in busyness. It's found in his presence. So cancel everything on your schedule. I mean, really, unload it. All that busyness. It's like everybody wants to one-up the other person. I'm so busy this holiday. I think everybody's faking it. It's just you don't want to go. You know what? You don't have to. We're going to worship, and we're going to begin this holiday season, and we're going to say, you know what, God, I want to be here every Sunday. I just want to worship you, and I want to love my family. You know, I think it begins in the home. Being Jesus begins in your heart with your family. And so let's stand together this morning, and let's begin with worship.